The behind the scenes of this one is kind of interesting in its own right. In fact, it frankly, this is one of those situations where it's amazing that this game is as good as it is. Because we have a relatively unproven team with a relatively unproven director with external interference. In fact, the original concept was put forth by people who weren't even ultimately doing uh, much of the actual directing and producing work in the end. And was a result of multiple pitches which had been tossed to Square Enix at the time. And then had the the gameplay of a completely other game, because Dynasty Warriors 2 had just come out and was a smash success, kind of grafted onto it in a way that feels vestigial, while not knowing what you're doing, while having an unproven director who is constantly having external interference and pushback when it regards to what he can put in the game. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. There's a lot of obvious influences here. Uh, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are two of the more overt influences in the most obvious nature of this game, which is the deconstructive nature. This is probably one of the most typical examples... At not, that's the wrong word. Uh, let, let's go with textbook. One of the most textbook examples, because typical implies bad, and I don't mean it that way. This is one of those textbook examples of a deconstruction game I can think of off the top of my head. Hey, it's a big fantasy RPG where you kill lots of people. And you're actually a psychopath, and everything's dark and horrible. And the more you kill and the more you do, the worse the endings get, and so forth and so on, right? You can see how it is a classic examination, deconstruction type thing. I don't even have anything to add to that, to be completely honest with you. It's just that's the nature of the game. Um, but yeah, so let's just get some gameplay stuff out of the way first, because I hate playing this game. Um... The gameplay side of things, it's actually funny. I've, I've talked to several fans of the game, people who enjoy the game, and the majority of them all kind of agreed with the same general precept. We don't play it for the gameplay. I think the biggest problem is they were not given the time to work on the things they probably should have been allowed to. Imagine, put yourself into a fantasy scenario, and let's just say the ground combat is ejected entirely. It's gone. So now all you have is the Ace Combat Flying Dragon sections, a.k.a. the best part of the game. Now let's assume that because you don't have to spend all that extra time and effort on art assets and making the transition between ground and sky, because there's the hybrid maps too, and doing getting all that stuff right, you, you can just spend all of that time and effort focusing on polishing those missions, make the bosses more interesting, add more enemy variety, add more enemy attacks, maybe flesh out the progression of the dragon, give it you know different ways of doing things, maybe a... Instead of just generically getting better and having more magic bars and more health and more attack power, maybe actually give it a new kit. You know, that kind of stuff. And then what we have is the possibility of an actually interesting game instead of something that's just, all right, let's take out these and take out these and take that, and now i got to go to the ground level. God, it's Star Trek Online all over again. Although I suppose maybe this is the prototype Star Trek Online. If I just sat here and went down the list of all the issues I have with the gameplay, it would be a large list. Um... I'm not going to do that. I feel like that's not really worth anyone's time. And honestly, the review is there if you want to see all... I think it was 22 points I came up with. <laughs> the textures are not good, even for PS2 era. The design of the indoor sections are very samey. And there's a total lack of doodad design. There's this weird disconnect going on where you... you obviously, we can hear some of the people's voices because they're... You know, they are packed people, and packed people can communicate to each other telep telepathically. And then we just occasionally hear troops who aren't there. There's no complexity in the map design for the ground sections at all. 
Honestly, there's no complexity for the space design. Oh, the space. Wow. <laughs> Just now I got Star Trek Online on the brain. For the space. Oh, I did it again. For the flying sections, for the dragon sections. Because all of the mission objectives bear down to one of two very basic things. Get to a point or kill a thing, and that's it. Um, oftentimes there's triggers. You know, this spawns this. Sometimes there's optional objectives, you know, get to this, kill this within 10 minutes, kill this within 5 minutes. All of that's more for the uh, completionist's sake, which gets you to the E ending. There's no guides for most of that. <laughs> so good luck figuring that out on your own. Uh, that's another thing. There's a bit of walkthrough-itis with regards to the game. The It takes so long to progress in terms of power level that in oftentimes it's just kind of excessively grindy. The weapons level up by kills, not by experience, which sounds like a good idea, except what that means is the best thing to do is to go back to the very first ground mission and just kill the hundred or so enemies around there and then beat the mission and then do the mission over again. It does have mission select, which is a good thing, and I do I do credit it that. Um, the... I had something I was going to go segue in there. I'm sorry, my brain is kind of broken because I just beat the mother piece. <laughs> No, I actually did. There, there's, there's a tweet about it if you want to see it, and, and obviously it's on the, my clips and it's on the, the YouTube VOD. But holy crap, I can't believe I actually did that. <laughs> I don't know why I played this game back in the day. I don't have an answer for that. I haven't been able to figure it out. Because there's so many sections of it that just feel like... Mm, like it's deliberately trying to prevent you from enjoying the game. Now... This is, I'm going to go and use this as a segue. Like I said, I could just go down the list. I could, I could just really tear into all sorts of different things they do wrong. No mid-mission checkpoints, by the way. That's a pretty bad one, especially on some of the maps where it's really easy to die 15 minutes into a 20-minute mission or 5 minutes into a 5-minute and 20-second mission, to use another example. There's the fact that it only has one save slot. That's bizarre. It has skippable cutscenes. That's strange. Anyways, we're not doing the laundry list. Change my mind. Change my mind. I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to not do the best job I can here. So while I feel like I discuss the narrative as best as I can in the behind the scenes, let's talk about the gameplay. I've actually got my list up here, nice and black, so it doesn't do much of a glare here. Uh, so the controls are not great. The game doesn't really have camera control. You have the ability to jerk the camera around, but you don't have the ability to actually look in a given direction in any substantial manner. This also means that in many cases, what you do is you kind of play a guessing game. Now, you get used to it after a while, and I found myself doing it just by muscle memory very quickly. But what you do is you, you've got the mini-map, which is not very indicative, by the way. It doesn't actually show terrain or anything. It just shows dots where the enemies are. But you, between that and yourself and just remembering where the enemy is and where they were moving, you kind of have a mental map of enemy over here, so you attack this way, and then they move into the camera, and then you hit them, right? That's not good. That sucks. Um, speaking of the camera, the camera itself is way too close. And I imagine this is partially a hardware limitation thing, because PS2, early PS2, no less. Or I guess mid-PS2, but point remaining. But then we have the additional problem of the fact that the camera is way too close in everything. In the dragon sequences, in the final boss fight against the Mother Beast, in the top-down sequences, in the indoor sequences where the camera actually kind of glitches out in some cases because it doesn't know what to do with the close corridors, also known as the PSP problem. <laughs> and then we also have the, uh, the additional problem that so many of the textures are so blurry and brown. You may or may not have heard me talk about the brown era of gaming. I'm sure several other people have mentioned this concept as well. It was back when everyone was really into making things look as gritty and realistic as possible. You know, Gears of War, Grand Theft Auto 4, 
you get the idea. This game, I don't think, actually came out in that era, but certainly fits within it because everything's brown and gray. Now, again, part of the tone. I, don't, I think that I'm going to talk about that after this rather than before, given where I'm going to edit this into the to the document or the video, excuse me. But still, not very interesting to look at, and again, very samey textures. Now, this is this is related. So we've got murky, murky bl blurry textures with bad camera control with a camera that's too controlled close, but the camera not being good with a bad mini map. Let's add in render radius. Now, again, this is almost assuredly a problem of both hardware and limitations of experience. The people working on this game most assuredly did not know how to use the PS2 to its fullest potential. But the render radius on many things in just about every mode in this game is pathetic. There's circumstances where you can see in the minimap like three major groups of enemies and they're not visible because they're about 30 feet that way. Now 30 feet might sound like a long distance, but it's not. The pop-in is insane. Now it changes when you go into aerial bombardment mode. But while I'm talking about aerial bombardment mode, there's these enemies. See, if you take two hits consecutively in bombardment mode, you get knocked back down to the ground. Okay, I can kind of see the logic there. This is another one of those situations where you can see the potential on display. Again, I don't know if I'm talking about that before or later. I recorded this after the rest of the rumination. Please forgive me. But the idea of penalizing you for being the over-death over thing makes perfect sense. And the idea of enemies that are specifically designed to counter the dragon makes perfect sense. The problem is this is terrible. There are three things that can knock you off. Archers, artillery, and your own attacks. I'll talk about that in a second. Now, the archers are bullcrap. They are super accurate and legitimately very hard to dodge. There's also quite a few of them, and they usually hit with multiple, there's usually in multiple groups. At the bare minimum, groups of two, and hey, two, two, two hits knocks you off. The artillery is relatively easier to design, but ironically also only hit kit knocks you off if you get hit by two. That probably should have been an instant knockoff. In fact, that probably should have been the only knockoff, whereas the archers just do damage and are accurate enough to hit you, and the artillery knocks you off. But then we have the magic. That's the weirdest one. That's the one I wouldn't have any knockoff effect at all. Because what happens is if you hit anything that has magic reflection, then the, the, the damage reflects and you hit yourself. So if you happen to fire-breathe on a group of reds, you're on the ground seconds later. Now you're probably thinking, Lord, why do you want the game to be easier? First of all, wrong argument. Second of all, this has nothing to do with easiness. This has to do with design. Because when you're knocked off, you don't really take damage from that. What this means, and I can prove this because I did this several times on camera yesterday, is the fact that you can be at zero health or effectively one health. It, the, the end thing will say total health remaining zero percent. No joke. You can check the VOD if you don't believe me. But you can have one health and get knocked down and jump on the dragon, and fly around and then get knocked down and jump on the dragon. No damage is being done. And as long as you're not near something you can't remount, you can just get right back on the mountain. Or mountain. Wow. Right back on the dragon as long as you're not next to a mountain or whatever. You see what I mean by the design perspective here? <sighs> Limiting it to damage, knockoff, and then damage would have made that a little bit better, but honestly, probably we needed more things to specifically counter the dragons when it comes to the dragon sections. The closest thing we get is the Colossus that we fight, and actually, that's just a straight-up dragon section, not a not a you know, bomber section, so that's whatever. Anyways, let's talk about Kit and early game hell. Now, Kit, uh, for those of you who have never heard me use that term, it refers to what's in your toolbox, right? This is your Kit. How many different ways can you play the game? How many different tools are in your arsenal? Generally speaking, more equals better. That's not always true. But definitely, generally speaking, 
99% of the time, more variety is better. The more different ways you can play the game, the more fun and different play styles are available, right? Very simple. It also means you can grab a larger audience from an economic perspective so more people play your game and buy your game because more people can enjoy playing it in X, Y, or Z manners. Sense Mike? A lot of games focus on kit, usually in terms of builds, but that's unrelated to this. This game has no kit at all. You have Now you're probably thinking, you have the different weapons. Now, the way the weapons vary is their swings vary slightly, their reach vary slightly, their damage varies, which doesn't matter. That's not kit, that's just better or worse weapons at that point. And their spells vary. That's it. And there's standardization. Of the 65 weapons, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say there's about seven different types of weapons. So you have seven different types of weapons which barely vary between each other. And the combat doesn't inform that. To use a direct comparison, in Assassin's Creed Origins, there's a, a huge variety in the weapon design, not just in the damage they do, but in how they act and what you can do with them, which also matters given the types of enemies and the huge variety of enemies you'll fight in, in Assassin's Creed Origins. By contrast here, I almost said Dragon Gate Origins, <laughs> Dragon Guard Origins. Wouldn't that be Dragon Guard 3? And by contrast, in this game, the enemy types you fight, even though there is some variety, especially on the ground, for the most part, it doesn't really matter. There's ones who are immune to magic. They're red. There's the guys who pop out of the ground. They have reach. And there's the guys with the shields. They suck. That's kind of it. It's not really any particular variety there. So even if the weapons were actually substantially varied, which I don't agree with, the enemy variety doesn't support that. I just realized I need to give another negative to this game. Oh, my God. Moving on. So there's no kit, right? But the kit is important because it also relates to another problem. A problem many RPGs have is a concept called early game hell. Now, I'm specifically focusing on RPGs because early game hell, it just refers to any part where the early parts of the game suck, right? That, that's really what that boils down to. Usually it's much, much harder and then you get the BFG and you're fine or whatever, right? Now, that can be a good thing. For certain games, especially survival games or horror games, wanting the early game to be hell can be a good thing and can work for the overall progression of the game. And it can help add to a feeling of progression. But in RPGs, it's usually a bad thing because they designed the game around having the full kit and they didn't design the intro specifically around not having that kit. And we've talked about this recently because we've been covering a lot of RPGs back to back lately. Hell, we're covering another RPG today because we're playing VTMB1 today. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 1. But point is, that is, is usually a problem in many RPGs. Now, I want you to imagine an RPG where you never get more kit. Picture the very beginning of Kingdom Hearts 1. You can jump and swing three times. And you can jump. Now imagine if that was the gameplay for the whole game. And that's one of the... I wanted to describe in specific what I mean by slog. This is ignoring the other issues with the controls, which I've already mentioned, or the camera, which I've already mentioned. Just swing, 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 cast. Once I have mana, swing, 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 big swing, because I got the spark. Swing, 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 and that's it. It doesn't help that the overwhelming number of trash in this game are completely optional and yet also technically mandatory because of the necessary HP you're going to need to be able to survive the later missions. That again goes back to the whole going back and grinding problem, which I mentioned before. 
There's a lot of uh, visual noise in the game, too. This is almost assuredly a hardware issue. It might be a design choice, but there's large sections of the game where there's just a lot of going on, and it's, it's a little bit difficult to figure out what's going on. And I didn't even notice it. A, a viewer had to point it out for me because I wasn't paying attention to anything on my screen except for where my targeting reticule was and where my health bar was. And that was all I was seeing. In, in the game's credit, the HUD is decently well designed, and I will give the game credit on that point. I mentioned the no mid-mission checkpoint on missions already. I know I talked about that. But let's talk about some specific missions that suck. The Inuart boss fights. The camera likes to lock onto him during those fights, which may not sound like a bad thing, but it's very disorienting, especially if you're not paying perfect attention, because you, like, I'm describing this wrong. The camera locks onto him. So if he's behind you, you're suddenly staring at your rear, or and you're like doing this, and the camera's staying static because the camera's facing over there. It's not behind you, it's focused on him. Which can get very disorienting because he likes to go right next to you and constantly dash around you, and he also likes to go above you, which is really disorienting in a game that doesn't really have the, the Z-axis all that well designed. Then there's the fact that he can dodge everything except when he is in a Voln stage, and his Voln stage varies depending on which time you're fighting him. Now, all of this is pretty boring. It's just this boring boss design. He, he disorients you, he, ha he, he has his shield up, and then he lowers his shield, and then he has his shield up. It's, it's some of the most bare-bones level boss design. This is the kind of stuff you see in tutorials in other games. But there's one other caveat. In order to get through several things, there are two times where you have to beat Inuart within a certain time frame. When he lowers his shield is pure RNG. There's no nothing you can do about that. All you can do is wait, which means the game can literally arbitrarily decide to screw you over a timing requirement by just waiting out the clock. Then we have the Mana fight. Mana fight. I keep saying her name wrong. The Mana fight. Now, it's boring. <laughs> That's the nicest thing I can say about it. She does this little ding, 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 and then she shoots these shots at you, which are moderately, moderately difficult to dodge. And then you leave, and then you go back, and by once, once again, the camera's locked onto her, so you just kind of fly back and forth and back and forth and hit her every time she attacks you, and that's it for about half her health bar. And then she starts doing the intoner waves, spoiler, which just are uh, bullcrap and kind of hard to dodge and usually involve a whole lot of retrying the mission. But it's okay, because there's no mid-mission checkpoint, so I hope you enjoyed that boring first half of the fight, which I suppose is a good time, as any, to mention... Sound design. Now, the sound design isn't great. It's mitigated a little bit by the fact that you literally have sound sliders. But just to name the most obvious example, which I was just reminded of, anytime you do the mega attack on the dragon, on Angelus, it actually glitches out the sound temporarily. Because what it's doing is it's playing... This is a typical... Anybody who knows audio design knows it. If you just play a sound file and you play five copies of it, all at the same you know, millisecond, all at the same time, it'll kind of... It'll peak... And you'll hear a kind of a sound, right? And it'll kind of blow out the speakers, or at least it'll sound like it's blowing out the speakers. It does that every single time you do it. That attack is extremely useful and should be used as constantly as possible. I'll let you figure out why I have some problems with that. There's other issues with the sound design. I suppose I should mention one other thing with regards to sound design, though. Remember I mentioned the music earlier? There's a mission where we were going through the snow... I don't remember the specific mission, please don't ask, but it's one of the snow missions on the ground. And many of my viewers asked me to turn off the music because it was legitimately starting to give some of them a headache. So I was like, all right, hang on, save. You have to exit all the way out back to the beginning of the game to edit the options. Another negative. 
make your way all the way back forward into the gameplay. And it's like, okay, fine. Turned off the music. I left all the sound as is, though. And all of a sudden, it was like playing this really creepy, atmospheric, bleak game, which, huh, that sounds familiar. In my honest opinion, the game works better, and I, I suggest this if you ever want to play this, just turn the music off entirely. Not because the music's bad, but because the game is better without it. Because there's so many sections where you just hear this... And, you know, all this, all this atmospheric noise, which you couldn't even hear under the music prior. It, it wasn't even audible. And there's effort put into that, which is completely absent because of the sound mixing problem I already mentioned. Or rather, audio mixing. I suppose it's audio mixing at that point. Then, hang on, one last thing. Then I'll let, let go and let the story section take over. There's, obviously, I, the last fight can go to hell. I, I, it, one hit KO, no mid-mission checkpoints. What else do I need to add to that? But there's actually, that's not I th what I consider to be the worst mission in the game. Now, the worst mission in the game is, I believe it's the third to last mission, and you have to fight all of the grotesqueries, the babies, in the sky. And you have to kill X number or survive for X time. I'm not actually sure which it is, but I'm pretty sure it's kill X number. Almost positive. So you have to kill so many of those things for the game to progress. There's no indicator of this, by the way. Those take several hits and hurt like a truck and are very hard to dodge. Now, this makes sense because in the second to last mission, what you're supposed to do is rush through a bunch of those, dodging and weaving, to barely make it to the end to barely survive. It's, it's part of the moment. But it feels like they designed that mission first, then the first mission. Remember the no mid-mission checkpoints thing, because those can kill you like five or eight or ten minutes into the mission, and then you get to start all over again. There's no healing, by the way. You just... I think that mission really describes my problems with the game design in one single mission. One boring enemy that hits too hard, with no variety and no kit that you have, and no, no tactics or design to them and that takes too long, and if you screw up, you have to start all over again. Kind of sounds like a slog to me, but I just wanted to be verbose about this. I hope you've enjoyed this little gameplay section. This has been longer than I thought it would be. I will now give it over to the story section. I'll try to make up some kind of segue here. So, segues, segues. Because instead, what I want to mention is that all of this boils down to the same thing. And there's two points. One is all the issues I mentioned earlier. Now, those help to explain why it has problems, but it does still demonstrably have problems, which leads us to the other reason, the deliberate intention here. Now, this is more of an asterisk, but I posit the theory that several aspects of the game design were de designed to be deliberately monotonous as part of the overall tone and feel of the game. Since the game is trying to be monotonous, I mean, just look at the way the music is designed and the way the music was constructed. I wanted to give a negative for music because I hate the songs in this game, but I couldn't bring myself quite to do so because so many people like the music in this game. Nevertheless, the way the music is applied is extremely repetitive, if I may share an anecdote. At one point, we had a little bit of hardware trouble, and there was some concern that the, the audio was looping, as in bugged, as in the audio was bugged and we would have to restart. No, no, that's, that's just the song. Because the overall intent is to try and grind down the player to make the experience as unenjoyable as possible. Now, I don't know how much of that is deliberate. Like I said, this is the realm of speculation. But it feels very much like that is the intent. And given the overall tone and atmosphere of the game as being both very bleak 
and very uh, pointless, I'd say it fits. This gets into the age-old argument. Is something that is deliberately aggravating a good thing? Just today, as of me recording this, I had a comment from someone on one of my uh, Star Trek videos, I don't remember which one, it doesn't matter, who said, well, hang on, if you're so upset at this character, isn't that a good thing? And that's the type of argument I've heard many times, that provoking a reaction is good. Let me be clear and state that I do not agree with that overall assessment. Sometimes provoking a reaction can be a good thing, but I think specifics and case-by-case case are relevant when it comes to this sort of thing. But, of course, I can only state my opinion on the matter. Whether or not this game being deliberately sloggy to get across the tone, or is a good thing, or is a bad thing, that's kind of a case-by-case case study, and it's going to be up to the individual to decide what they think on that one. There's such a... Uh, I don't know how else to put it. There's such a screw you built into the game. It almost feels vindictive towards the player base. Now, I've heard several interviews since then, and again, interviews are asterisk when it comes to the series, that state that many people who are involved in making this game are embarrassed by it and look back on it with shame, like, ah, we don't want to do that, and have changed their minds since then. But we're not talking about the future, we're talking about right now. And it feels like in the moment, the overall intent was, screw you. Maybe this was just because they were going through some hell with their personal lives. I obviously have no knowledge or information of that. Maybe it's just because they had such a difficult situation with regards to making the game and so much external interference with making the game. Maybe it's because there was a legitimate belief that the average video gamer who would pick up and play this game is someone that is not a good person. I don't know. These are all possibilities, and they're possibilities that probably don't exist anymore since the series has continued forward and people have you know, developed past this point. And thankfully, we did get some good games out of this, including Nier and Nier Automata, just to name the two more famous ones. But I suppose I should talk about the narrative. The first thing I want to mention is the localization, as weird as that may sound, to start there. Because I think for once... This is one of the very few times I say this. I think I prefer the English localization in uh, every way over the actual original localization. And you're probably thinking, why? It cuts out so much. It removes so many disgusting, horrible... Oh, that makes sense. And that's probably what you were thinking just now. In the English localization, the only two characters that are effectively untouched are Kaim and uh, Ariosh. And I hope I'm pronouncing all these correctly, because they don't say their names very often in this game, so I kind of had a little bit of a guide here to help me with some of those. Um, they wanted to uh, make it a little bit more palatable, and they succeeded. And I prefer that, so I like that. I'm with that. I can absolutely see why some people would say that, well, this just dumbs down the game and hurts it as well, though. To use a specific example, there's a specific scene which is probably intended to be dramatic. It's hysterical. Um, but it's hysterical in the English version. In the Japanese version... Oh, yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers, spoilers. In the Japanese version, there's been a lot of build-up about the fact that your sister is in love with you romantically and actually wants to be with you. Now, in the English version, that's so toned down or removed that there's one mission where they kind of mention it sort of, in a completely detached manner. And that's about it, as far as foreshadowing a build-up in the English version. Okay? Just to show the comparison there. So, much more built-up in the Japanese version. Then it gets to the scene where she effectively, 
you know, her love and her desire for her brother is revealed, not not by intent, but Mana actually reveals, or the Watcher, however you want to think of that, reveals it to Kaim. Kaim is then disgusted by this, and so she commits suicide. Now that's a little bit of an overreaction, but there's a there's a sense make, and you can see the dramatic path that that goes through. Now watch it in the English version. There's been no real buildup, not really, and she shows up. And she wants to be embraced by her brother is the specific word usage, which I don't know, maybe I'm just the weirdo, but my first thought is, okay, I'll give you a hug. And then we cut to Kaim looking disgusted. And then she kills herself. <laughs> and so it suddenly becomes funny. No, I, I needed that hug. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and that's the English version in a nutshell. There's so many scenes where they remove the dramatic tension and, and, and buildup and significance, but arguably for the better because it makes it so much funnier. Uh, another example of this is when, uh, is ending D, for example, when Ariosh is like, a feast, there's such a feast, and she gets eaten alive by babies. It makes sense in context, I swear. Or how about Leonard, who decides to grab the fairy? And it's like, no, you're the fairy who's been trying to convince him to commit suicide this whole game is like, wait, no, you can't die. And he, he makes sure the fairy comes with him. Just just as an extra little screw you to what is arguably the worst character in the game. And the whole sequence just comes across as hysterical. <laughs> I mean, there is one joke that was clearly deliberate that did land for me. Just the one. Is this the land of the gods, Tokyo? That that got me. I'll I'll admit it. That was good. <laughs> but I'm sorry. My point is the localization is sufficiently different in this case to actively change both tone and character, and so it it is in many ways a different version of the game. But again, I do feel that it's for the overall betterment, and not just because of the humor's sake, but because it also removes some of the. No thank you from this, from the game. And I do think the removal of the no thank you actually does improve the overall quality of the story, uh, both with regards to, well, it's, there are several cases where it matters. But this, of course, leads me to talk about the two who were untouched, uh, Ariosh and Kaim. Ariosh is pretty much straight up exactly the way she always was. You know, no, no real changes there. She is still cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because of the fact that her, you know, her family was killed in front of her by the evil empire. Wait, wait, you want me to talk about the evil empire? Okay, they're evil. And there's also the fact that, uh, she likes to eat children. She, well, she eats people, but she prefers to eat children. Yeah, that's pretty much straight up. That's pretty much as is. And Kaim, who is just as much of a murdering, raging psychopath as he always was. You can tell this because not only are there scenes where he's deliberately going out of his way to stab people well after they're dead, just to show it, but also many characters constantly tell us about how horrible and evil we are. In fact, there's one bit where they're like, all right, you're going to have to learn how to use your sword to actually help someone. And this is way into the game, too. And it's like, oh, thanks, thanks. But again, this is part of that deconstructive nature. After all, how can someone who kills hundreds of people be a good person or have a good ending? Which is, of course, a dismissive and surface argument, but I think I've already made my thoughts on that clear. I want to talk about flavor while we're here. How many of you have ever heard of the game called Albion? I actually covered it somewhat recently, just a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, no, that was last week, wasn't it? Wow, we're just racing through these. I suppose another game I could mention that might be a little bit more well-known is Suikoden, or Suikoden. I've heard it pronounced both ways. If you're not familiar with either of these series, they're not that good, but they're very unique. And I think that's at least part of the appeal. One of the only detriments of the review system I use is it doesn't really take into account uniqueness, because that's not part of the equation. It's literally absent from the formula, so to speak. So the idea of something being unique can can draw people and draw people's attention. And especially when there's something that unique that has potential. This is why I named all three franchises, well, all two franchises plus this one that I just did. Albion certainly had potential and, well, sadly, was never followed up on. Suikoden had potential and was followed up on. And, you know, then we get the unique Suikoden series. And hopefully we'll, uh, Ihuden Chronicles, or however you pronounce it, will be awesome. I, I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But here we have Drakengard, which is definitely very unique, again, in its tone and its feel. This is a game that, even though it plays kind of like, you know, you've been through really deep snow or mud, might also work, and you're just kind of... That's what playing this game feels like. But again, not only do some people like that, I mean, some people like Dark Souls, but... <laughs> sorry, it's a joke, it's a joke. Um, but some people want that. And, of course, some people want the uh, the deconstruction thing, which, remember, this is the early aughts we're talking about. It was, what, 2003, something like that? The very idea of deconstruction games was still fairly new at the time and was the kind of thing that hadn't really exploded to the point where now it's just another genre, is the deconstructive genre. So, unique, good for the time, and some people are just into that sort of thing. And the final thing, which I already hinted at, you can see the bones of a good game here. You can see the ideas and the creative potential. You ever heard of uh, the phrase, it has potential? Let me go ahead and be very overt about this. No insult intended to anyone. If someone says that you made something and it has potential, what they're saying is it sucks. But they can tell that with practice and time, you can make something better. That's what that means. And that's Drakengard, in my opinion, in a nutshell. It sucks. But... You can see the ideas, you can see the creative talent, you could see how it could be molded into something more cohesive and more interesting. And, I mean, thankfully, this was actually proven, because we've seen exactly what Drakengard has done. We've seen Drakengard 2 and 3, and we've seen Nier and Nier Automata. And supposedly they're working on another thing right now. I don't, I don't have a lot of details about it. I know the Nier Replicant thing is coming out in like a week or something like that. Nine days, eight days, something like that. So you can see why this game obtained its niche audience, and why does so many people are interested in it. But you're probably expecting me to talk more about the story side of things, and that's tough, because I don't have much else. Mana's awesome. She's very discordant. It came. It became kind of a running joke during the stream, you know, la 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 la, la 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 la. But the thing is, while that is funny, and it absolutely is, it's also exactly what it needs to be. Because the whole point of this game is to be discordant, off-kilter, and just kind of, uh, and get that sort of uncomfortable vibe going across. The question is, of course, when uncomfortable is good and when uncomfortable is bad. And that's the key. And that where that line sits is going to vary from person to person. This is one of the reasons why I prefer the English localization. Because it never actually crossed the line into bad uncomfortable, from a story perspective. <laughs> but if it was the original Japanese, it absolutely would have crossed the line. Sounds like... And so it's going for that, and it's trying for that, and it feels like she is probably the er-example of the whole game. She's also a very tragic character. 
someone who was hated by her mother. Almost none of this is in the game, but she was hated by her mother and completely unloved, which is also partially Sarah's fault because he was totally cool with the fact that she was unloved and was totally cool. That's all great. And then she becomes a vessel for the Watchers who aren't just evil, but they're dicks. As we see, this is kind of spoiling for the rest of the franchise, but as we see in other works, the Watchers like to play with their food. They like to be cruel rather than simply destructive. The actual gods who ordered the destruction of the planet, because how dare you not be under our control, also something fleshed out in future works, they're just petty and evil. But the Watchers are malicious to a point of actual just horribleness. And again, that's the, the fate that she is, that has befallen her. Which is one of the reasons why ending A feels like probably the most appropriate actual ending for the overall work, my opinion. Because it ties into those themes of tragedy which is one of the major points of the theme, that this is a world absolutely marred by war and devastation entirely for external reasons, because their literal creators hate them. I mean, can you imagine a world where your creator hates you? I don't actually have much else to share here, I'm afraid. This was a very unique, we'll we'll go with that, unique experience. I am looking forward to the comments. <laughs> uh, do me a favor, by the way. Keep the, like, either mark the spoilers or just keep spoilers to a minimum in the comments section. Just as a courtesy. Because remember, Near Replicant is coming out soon, and there's probably people who haven't played that. And, you know, just general courtesy. See you around, all.